leave you where we started, now we on to something new. Let me introduce you to some of the fresh crew. Hollywood Jack, yeah, the leader of the pack. Corey, I'm your man, Randy coming in stack. Robin with the Y, chilling in the nest. Holding down the crew, can't forget the rest. Queen of Queens, Karen, yeah, she taking no mess. Bring your A game, cause there ain't none less. Paco Lessman's standing, yeah, you know how it goes. Rounding out the best, JV to the pros. Welcome back to JV to the Pros, Season 3, Episode 13. I'm Jack Vecchio with my partner, Corey, the Iron Man of Broadcasting, Ramsey, who has not missed a show. And I we should add him up. I think we're getting near 80 shows in a row. I've done about 76 of them. Um, Corey, tell me you're there. Tell me you're there, Mr. Rutgers. I am here. I refuse to miss the show, even though I can hear myself twice. I think it's funny that this is uh, episode 13, because what can go wrong technically, the people who don't know, is going wrong right now for us, but we've got Paco on it, and we're all on it. We're, we're going to push ahead, because we know that you still want to hear us, so we're here for you, no matter what. I'll tell you what. The audience, the audience is unaware of the fact that we literally have spent two days trying to get the, the technological, all the technical issues and the sound issues. Paco is driving to our houses with, with like all sorts of equipment. And, I mean, it's been a mess. Um, for some reason, bandwidth and um, the whole messenger thing and Zoom, nothing has been working our way. And we've just been pushing that rock up the hill. But we didn't quit. And if you end up hearing us twice or in a reverberation or an echo, not our fault. We're not being tricky or fancy or using any special effects. It's the fact that we just don't understand technology as much as Bewitched would if she just twinkled her nose. Exactly. I mean, just think of, uh, we talked about this before. Just think of Goodfellas and the, uh, the guy who says things twice. It's okay. Yeah, yeah, Dad. Tell me, tell me two times. I'm gonna go get the papers. Get the papers. Uh, we right. also have to introduce right. the, the, our technical genius, who is saddled with the responsibility of making sure the the show doesn't have technical issues. That's Paco, the last man standing. Hi yo, Paco. Hi yo. Um, uh, Paco and I came across something very funny. It was a mini. What was it? The mini Ghostbusters? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, Corey, how much I love Ghostbusters. And for the audience out there, last summer was going to be the new Ghostbusters film, which includes most of the original cast, sans Harold Ramis. May you rest in peace. But of course, thanks to the unfortunate happening that was the COVID pandemic, the film was delayed. But now it is slated for a November 2021 release. And today, unexpectedly this morning, Sony dropped a clip in the uh, of the film. And in the film, I'm not going to give any spoilers, but we're going to have a very familiar confectionery character coming back, albeit in a very small and 24-pack form. You know, you, you, Corey, you know the marshmallow guy at the end of Ghostbusters walking yes. through New York? Yeah. It's it's a package of, yeah. of of a whole bunch of mini versions of those. Yeah, so they're called and mini they're puffs. Mini puffs. You know something though? Uh, I, you know, and I can appreciate money grabs, but who wants to see these guys 37 years later? 
Well, apparently everybody online for the last 20 years has been wanting to see him on back. You know, Bill Murray, Bill Murray has that, that lasting appeal. I mean, we just saw him in both Zombieland movies. There's something about Bill Murray that doesn't really age. I mean, either, either he gets you or not, but he gets most people. Most people find him to be entertaining. Well, so, we'll see. We'll see how it does in the box office. I mean, I, I don't, I mean, not everything should be uncovered and unearthed and revisited. Well, Ernie Hudson um, actually has gone on to much more serious acting roles, but he is supposed to be coming back for this. So Paco will be in heaven as another Ghostbusters is released. So Mr. Rutgers himself, tell me what we're going to chat about tonight. Well, we've got a few things. First, Corey. You got you, you you got you got something that interesting that happened to you this week? Anything? Well, I was able to come across the Rutgers alumni in San Diego. Oh, Con yes, Conrad Ote runs the. Uh, he's the vice president of events for San Diego here at Rutgers, and you know. We talked about it last week that we felt that there wasn't a much of a presence of Rutgers in San Diego. Well, I have he set us straight. There's about 200 strong members out here in San Diego. And apparently they meet. Yes. And it's going to be 201. I firmly plan on joining. And uh, I know they're having a, uh, an event on April 15th. Now, I might not be able to make that one, unfortunately, because I have a business in Los Angeles. So I have an office up there. So it's likely I'm going to have to go and miss it. But certainly, I plan on going to the events. I plan on being involved, uh, donating, uh, whatever it takes. Now that I know that there's a real presence, uh, I, think it's, I think it's pretty special. Yeah, the audience can't see it, but yes, I'm actually wearing my Rutgers hat again. So Rutgers proud, yeah. class of 1990. Now, and, uh, yes. So I had to yeah. ask, but the uh, the Rutgers, uh, your chapter out here, is it a sizable amount of people or a handful? Well, I said it's two hundred. Just said if you listen to the show. He said 200 and it'll be 201. He was doing math and everything. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I was going to let that go, Jack. Is there a sizable amount of people? I was going to let that go. Because you said it so seriously. You said it so seriously, I was going to let it go. But you know what? I, I'm going to tell you this. I really appreciate Conrad reaching out. And I appreciate him listening to the show and him emailing us and letting us know that, hey, listen, we are a presence out here. You guys don't know. And I think it's great because, I mean, I'm a Rutgers alum. My brother, Ray, who's uh, out in uh, D.C., he's an alum. He's class of 82. So it's, uh, you know, it's cool. It's very cool. It's very cool. Very cool. Um, and one day I would love to have, if not Conrad Ote, then certainly someone from the alumni club on the show. And, you know, let's talk. Let's talk about, you know, what they do, 
the, some of the some of the things that are involved, I, I would really like for people to know because there could be more Rutgers people out there, and they don't know like me. They don't know like me. Right, they're unaware. Yeah, but yeah. you know, and I'll say this: the last thing I'll say on it, I don't necessarily think it's the um, it's not the fault of the alumni. It's just I think it's just circumstances with me. I mean. The first several years that I was out here in um, San Diego, I was actually deployed a lot. So I wasn't really here. I had a residence here, but I really wasn't living here. And then also I had a residence in Nevada. So I was going back and forth between overseas here and Nevada. So I didn't really plant roots here until 2011, 2011, 2012. Really? So you've only been, you've only kind of dug in in the last eight nine years. Yes, it's yes. it's really been I really been back and forth. I mean, yeah, I mean, my uh, Nevada life driver's license finally expired. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think I think you got thirty days. I'm pretty no, sure. I'm gonna, it's gone. <laughs> Um, but, uh, so props to all of them. Props to Rutgers. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what. They're gonna, they're gonna be they're gonna be much better to have you in their group. So, and uh, I read that email, and he took you to task. No, no Rutgers presence. Are you kidding? We are we are Rutgers. We overstep our bounds. We we do not. <laughs> We do not hold back. <laughs> well, that's all right. Hey, that's all right. I mean, uh, we're um, you know, Rutgers is all over the place. Rutgers owns New Jersey. You know, you've got them. You've got New Brunswick. You've got Newark. You've got Camden. You've got so many different campuses out there. Law school. So there's, you know, there's an awful lot. Um, but anyway. We have a bunch of, uh, of other topics. Do we want to just hey, hold, up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. I got one thing I wanted to tell you guys. So I didn't share this with the audience. This weekend was my birthday. My birthday. Oh, which birthday is this? It's uh, 28. 28. 28. And how, how close are you to moving out? Oh, I knew that was coming. <laughs> I knew it was coming, Jack. <laughs> I'll tell you what, you know, where, where Corey and I come from, checkout time is 18 years old. <laughs> like, if you're still at home at that time, you better be going to Cornell <laughs> <laughs> or Rutgers. <laughs> Or Rutgers, yeah. And you better be making six bucks an hour. <laughs> yeah, there's nobody there's nobody living at home at 28. <laughs> like it's like, oh man. But Paco did tell me he went um searching for apartments. Okay. Right, Paco? Okay. That's right. Yeah. Did you go look at right? Yeah. Now now were you shocked at what rents are in San Diego? <laughs> I definitely was, and I was just a little. Uh, I, little uh, I didn't realize how naive I was about certain things. I didn't realize how naive I was about certain things. Well, now you understand, and this is off the air for people that were listening, uh, that are listening. 
was when Jack was laughing when you said you had bills and Jack started laughing. That's why I started cracking up before the pre-production meeting. You said you have bills. And I was like, you don't know bills, kid. Bills are, are like Indiana Jones running away from that rock. You know, those are bills. They're coming for you all the time. <laughs> it seems like every time I pay the bills, you know, Karen walks in with another stack of bills. I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. So uh, let's not forget your oh, acting dues as well, right? Paco, are, are you Paco? Are you looking to live in East Lake? Um, actually, I, um, I could actually, if I want, but if the jobs are a little further up north, so I would look more. What do you, what do you, you want? You can you could live in East Lake if you live at your mom and dad's house. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's like, to tell you the truth, he's, he's like, is a very elite part of town. It is a very polished part of town. It's not, I, I, oh, look, East Lake is, I live in Otai. That's the, the suburb next door. It's not as nice. We're actually building quite a lot of Section 8 housing out here. Quite a lot of Section 8 housing out here. Well, what, what area of town are you looking at? Well, I was thinking like, uh, God, City, PB, OB. OB. City Heights? Somewhere around North Park, if possible. Okay, I can tell you this. North Park is going to be expensive. Yeah, I figured. North Park, Hillcrest, Kensington. Normal Heights. Normal Heights in the Mountain View area. You could probably afford to live there. I mean, you'd have to have a roommate or something, but you could probably afford to live there. Right. Right. You know, I mean, you're going to have to, I mean, you're going to be looking at 2200 a month. You know, you're going to be oh, looking no, at Jack, Jack, no, Jack, not that much. Don't scare him. Don't scare him. Twenty two hundred. I didn't say just. Hang on, hang on. I didn't say just for rent. I'm saying his whole nut is going to be about twenty two, twenty three hundred dollars a month. That's that's insurance. That's his phone. That's that's what he's going to need to make to break even. Oh, I see what you're saying. You're talking about all of his bills. All of his bills. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I see. Okay. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. Oh, he, all right. Yeah. You can't, right. just, you can't just Middle. count rent. You got to count. Look at the size of them. You better count food. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay. Minim yeah, minimum. I, I, I agree with you there. I agree with you there. Yeah. It's about 500 bucks a week, 600 bucks a week to survive, even if you had a roommate. It's it's 100 bucks a day, all month long. Um, Boy, that's that's got shot. He's got shock on his face. The audience can't see. Paco hasn't blinked for like thirty five seconds. Paco, <laughs> aka the shocker. The shocker. All right, so so we'll leave we'll leave Paco to hang on. Clear. Boom. Okay. Um, <laughs> Paco still hasn't moved. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, Corey, what oh my do, what anybody who doesn't think I don't laugh? Should see me now. <laughs> okay. It's like, okay, so what are our topics tonight? All right. So um, we have a, quite a few topics to get to, right? Just a, a few we want to like touch on here. So do we want to get rolling? Get rolling? Rock and roll. Yeah. I, mean, I, 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 I did want I did want to I did want to quickly touch on that uh, that Georgia law. Hit that. Yeah, hit it. Yes. Has been customized to prevent those that work for a living, especially the black community, from not only being able to vote, but even from being able to stand in line for long periods of time waiting to vote because nobody's allowed to hand them a, 
a bottle of water or any food if they're standing in line for hours at a time. And um, this this governor, I don't know how he thought he was going to get away with this, but I mean, Major League Baseball was infuriated. They have moved the All Star Game. Um, I, I, where did they move it to? Did they move it to Minnesota or Arizona? Uh, you know, I don't, uh, I, I don't think I don't there's been talk that they want to move it out here. They want to move it out here. No, that's been taken off the table. We thought San Diego was a was a prime candidate. It's not. I think it's Minnesota or um, uh, Phoenix. Um, but you can look it up, Paco, because I mean, you got your laptop right there. But anyway, so here's the here's the biggest part of this. So many people are downright offended that he tried to pass such a law in 2021 that he and his six cronies decided they would sign this bill behind closed doors that even the Coca-Cola company, which has been in the Atlanta area for over a hundred years, has said that they will move their operation headquarters out of Atlanta and out of Georgia. If this law, if this law, um, Goes uh, so, Jack, since you're passionate yeah. about this, why don't you quickly tell people what the actual voting law is? Okay, the voting law, what, what they did was they said the voting has to take place basically banker's hours, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. And even if you get online to vote, um, it is against the law for anyone to hand someone a bottle of water or some food especially with all the health issues with people in Georgia and you've got people with diabetes all over the place and they can't stand online for two hours or three hours without needing to boost their blood sugar. And this guy knew when he crafted this law, he knew that this was going to make it nearly impossible for the extremely high black population in Georgia to be able to vote. And I mean, it has offended corporate America. It has offended the population of Georgia. And it has offended other politicians who are not siding with this guy. And this guy is standing there trying to say that this was the liberal media and the Democrats pressuring. No, no, no. This has got nothing to do with that. This has got to do with an asinine law that is specifically designed, contoured to keep the black population from being able to have a say in the elections in Georgia. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so like here that? it is. Like 20, no, no, that's very good, Jack. So here it is 2021. And I don't want to get into a long discussion, but 2021 and we have a new president and I've been trying to tell you all along that it's not about the person in the, uh, in the white house. It's just who people are. Well, Biden has come out with force against uh-huh. this law. He, he he understands that this is absolutely an atrocity. So um, even though there's really next to nothing he can do about it individually, right. there's a lot of people who are not going to let this go. This is not going to be okay. And I don't think this guy, I think his name is Kent. Um, I don't think he stands much of a chance of being reelected. You know, probably not. Uh, I'd say there's a good chance, but you know, something that we'll keep following, following. And 
I mean, you know, as, as it progresses you know, and as they knock this down, we'll 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 follow it. But let's go on to let's go on to another topic here. Well, well you know, I, we something else that we're following. I think it's a good segue. Is uh, you know the trial in Minnesota. There's all kinds of damning testimonies against uh, the officer Derek uh, Chauvin. Am I saying his name right? Yeah, Ch Chavin, yes. Ch uh, Derek Chavin, um, yeah. the one who's uh, accused of murdering uh, George Floyd. Yeah, and he's, he's getting killed in the courtroom. I yeah. mean, nobody, including yeah. other officers, people that do the training, everybody's coming forward saying this is not what he was trained to do. I'm wondering why he didn't take the plea for third degree murder because I think this guy is never going to see the light of day again. No, I don't he think so either. But you know, I, I'm going to tell you something, Jack. I, I'm confident that this uh, Chavin, Chauvin is going to go down. But I want to see those other those other officers who did nothing. I want them to go down as well. Well, I, I here's the thing. He was the leader of those four officers at the scene. But even the 911 operator who was getting information secondhand realized that they're doing something wrong if this guy's not able to breathe. And um, and they I watched the testimony just today where this guy said, when you look at the footage, he needed to take his knee off his throat because Floyd stopped resisting. He was resisting at first, which most people being taken into custody, you know, fight it at least for a little bit. And then you get the cuffs on him and that's it. But Chauvin didn't do that. He interacted with the people that were telling him to get his knee off the guy's neck. And he interacted with them while Floyd couldn't breathe. And I'm thinking, yeah, nobody, nobody is going to look at that video footage and think, okay, yeah, that's our policy. Because you would have had people dead all over the place. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but again, I, I want those other officers that were there. There was another officer I remember that was having people stand back and keeping them back. Yeah, they could you, could hear the, you could you could hear the folks in the video saying, "Take the guy can't breathe. Take your knee off of him." And the officer is just standing there. He's here as an accessory. The fact, accessory to the crime. Well, the problem is Chavin was the senior officer on the scene. That's the problem. And that's why it's his head on the, on the chopping block. No, I got it. But even in the military, even in the military, no, uh, no orders are lawful if they are not moral. Well, um, uh, one of the other officers who was actually new to the job began doing mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation and realized that he may not be able to revive him. And the paramedics realized there was less, as, this is a quote, less than 1% chance we would be able to get him breathing again. I mean, Chauvin, you know, Chauvin really crossed the line. And I get the feeling Chauvin was, and I'm. this is just my opinion, I get the feeling like he was one of those cops that just believed because he was a cop, he could pretty much do whatever he wanted. Not in this day and age, not in the age of cameras. So, 
you know, we'll keep following. We'll keep following that. But I, I think, I, I think. I mean, I'm not a lawyer, but I can say it's not looking good. You know. Well, his girlfriend, his girlfriend was very transparent on the on the uh, um, on the witness stand. She said, "Look, it's an age-old story. We both got hooked on opioids, and we couldn't seem to get off the painkillers. And every time we got some treatment." We'd go right back to him because our body was calling for him. And George was struggling to get away from opioids. And he was self-medicating with whatever he can get on the street. She was very transparent about, about their situation. And I thought, sure. you know, she could have tried to gloss it. And she didn't. She just said, look, but that still doesn't mean you get to kill him. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, if it was a... Like a, like a kind of like a, a knee like jerk a, and and pardon the pun like a knee jerk thing like if if it's a scuffle and Floyd being a big guy scuffling and something happens but this is eight minutes on a guy's neck who's in who's in uh, actually actually Corey Corey it was almost nine minutes but it doesn't matter if you cut off air for five minutes yeah. or six minutes that's pretty yeah. much it yeah I mean when we when when we watch um murder you know on the id channel and they talk about uh, a person who was strangled often the um coroner points out that you can't just strangle somebody like in the cartoons it right. takes a long time right. to strangle yes. somebody and yeah. put them without air i mean you're you're going to be there for a while it's not like shooting somebody i mean you got to keep their air flow from happening for five six seven eight minutes that's a long time yeah. So that's that's usually yeah. a personal crime of passion or emotion. But this, he just seemed to be kneeling like he would kneel on the street, except he was using George Floyd's neck. Also, I um, everybody is familiar with the way they saw Chauvin's knee on Floyd's neck. But I, I saw what is considered to be police protocol for how to do that. And the knee, the knee part of the leg is actually supposed to be between the shoulder blades. Between the shoulder blades, yes. And then, the, and then the arm, and then the arm is twisted straight up behind them. So mm -hmm. you bend the hand, mm -hmm. and you've got control of them. But you don't actually lean on the throat. No, I mean, I mean there's no training for military police that teaches you to do that. None. None. There's no. Okay. There's nowhere. There's nowhere. So, let's shift so, gear. Let's shift gears. Um, you had a you had a real concern about this um, video uh, technology where you're able to take deceased performers and make them perform because of video technology. I, I got to tell you, this is a very recent concern, and nobody yeah. was concerned when Natalie Cole performed with Nat King Cole, who'd been dead for twenty years. Exactly. And nobody was concerned exactly. when she did Unforgettable with him. Nobody sat there and said, hey, that's not right. But you have a real concern about that. Why don't you talk about that? Well, I mean, it's just, a, it's a moral, it's a kind of a moral thing. Like, so, all right, you're, you're watching Jim Morrison perform, but it's not really him. You're watching Whitney Houston or uh, John Lennon. And it's not really them. It's computer. It's computer generated. It sort of takes away 
away the essence of music, don't you think? Or am I just being too old? Am I showing my age here? I'm, I'm, I'm willing to be convinced. I think you're starting to become one of those, ah, oh, those damn kids in the loud music. Um, <laughs> because what is the difference in watching a performance of someone who's deceased on video or DVD? Well, because it's old and it's because it's something that they actually did as opposed to well, we're creating new stuff. So, hey, this is a new song by Tupac. No, it's not a new song. To me, by to me as, as an entertainer, um, that part of my life would look at it like it opens up all sorts of doors for entertainment. You could have Elvis Presley performing with Freddie Mercury. You could have, you could do, you could do so much. And frankly, if people will tune in, if people will watch, then as long as it sells, you know, it's good to go. You could have, you know, Elvis Presley in a movie with Marilyn Monroe. And people, I think, I think people would be at least curious enough to watch it. I think people would, would go to the theaters, you know, when theaters open up. Um, and watch it. I think people would be like, yeah, I'd like, I'd like to have seen those two in a movie together. Or, you know, James Dean and somebody else. Um, I'm trying to think of the... Um, the well, the well, James Dean and Marilyn Monroe would be special. Jane Mansfield. I was thinking James Dean and Jane, Jane Mansfield. You, wouldn't you love to see those two perform? I no, because I didn't think she was a good I mean, actor. But that's another conversation. <laughs> you know, Jack, in, Jack, in Corey's defense, it does cross a moral boundary and also the ethics because it's, it leads the question to being like, you know, we understand that movies aren't quite real, but they are, you know, a time capsule. They're literally a photo snap of a time period. If you were to transport them to now, then you're going to have, well, beyond the, it's just, it's not real. It's not the same. Let me, let me, let me explain something to you, okay? Because no, I have what? been. No, no, no. Like, okay. Well, all right. What do you mean explain what? What do you want to fight? <laughs> well, it's a podcast. It's what we do all the time. So, so I, I have been, I've worked on probably 80 sitcoms in my life. And in almost every soundstage, is a big, huge, 40-foot-high curtain. And you pull one of the curtains, and it's a backdrop of Chicago. You push that one back, and you pull another one at Seattle. Another one, it's Los Angeles. And when you watch Frazier, and he's in his apartment, and the, outside the back window on the balcony is Seattle, that's just a painted curtain that somebody does to put in proportion. And that's as much... BS as the smoke and mirrors all around show business. I mean, you know, frankly, anything that sells works. And <clears throat> if there's a moral issue, why don't they why don't they film Frazier in an apartment in Seattle? <laughs> there's no moral issue. It's it, whatever it, people it, but it's will, not will quite tune into. It's, it's not the it's same, not Jack. Quite, not the same, Jack. I understand. You got to understand that there's so much in the way of smoke and mirrors in making films. Like we've all seen Singing in the Rain, right? Right. Now yes. the the famous dance number is is um, Gene Kelly dancing in what? 
He's dancing right there on the Warner Brothers lot. Warner Brothers lot. No, no. But what is he dancing in? He's dancing in the rain, right? Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. The truth of the matter is, water wouldn't show up on the on the on the um, film back then. Yeah. So he had to dance in he had to dance in milk. He had to dance in milk. And and is there a moral issue? With the fact that he's supposed to be dancing in the rain, but he had to dance in milk. This is different. Is this isn't a, a sound. This isn't a production designer trying to, you know, one up the actors or whatnot. You're talking about replacing actors altogether. This is an art form. Look, I understand. No, you don't. It sounds like you don't. If you've seen enough movies, almost every brownstone scene shot at Warner Brothers is shot on Brooklyn Avenue in the back lot. It's not shot in Brooklyn. There's a Chicago Avenue. There's a, a Louisiana Avenue. There's there's a Los Angeles. Avenue. There's a New York Avenue. There's no. There's there. It's all smoke and mirrors. That's Jack, entertainment, man. You're missing. That's, yeah, I got that, but you're missing the point. So basically, it's the you're turning the actor because the only point that we watch a movie is to connect to the uh, uh, to our to the people on screen, right? Because once you do that. You've got a performance. Why do you think people get so, you know, hung over, get so high and mighty about theater? Because, like, oh, you could actually see him, you could touch him. It's a similar thing here. When you actually have a digitally rendered person and you know the person's been in the ground for 50 odd years and then you see him interacting with other people, it doesn't come off right. Well, let me ask you something, okay? We are all familiar with avatars, correct? Right. I just watched, right. I just watched. America's Most Wanted, the reboot. Not impressed with the production value. But one of the things they did is they have the host literally with an avatar on camera and she's walking around the avatar and pointing at scars and tattoos on this person and it looks like they're standing right there. It looks so real. And that's just an avatar. I, I got you, but this is not. But it's not a real person, and it's not someone that's dead. And the other thing is that we have to take in consideration is how do the family members, the ones who are left behind, how would they the estate? And so, and that's all. And like I said, I'm not taking some real big moral stand on this. I'm just throwing it out as a question. I, I don't know. It just seems. It doesn't quite seem right, but I can. I can be convinced otherwise. Like, for instance, let me give you guys this. There's a Toronto organization called Over the Bridge, and they created a compilation featuring songs created via uh, artificial intelligence in the style of musicians who died at the age of 27. And so they take a whole bunch, they've taken a whole bunch of songs um, created by the AI of the people who have uh, passed away. And what they're doing is they're drawing attention to the struggles of depression and mental health. That I'm 100% in favor of. If you're doing it for something like that and you're taking the funds and doing it and uh, for mental health and depression in the entertainment field, I'm all for it. I'm all over it. But I know this. If it were... Let's say if it were my cousin or my brother, I don't know if I would want you to be producing them and having like songs and I'm looking at them even though I know they're dead. Like how would you like how would we feel if that was one of our loved ones? 
Like it's easy well, for let me, us. Let me, let me put this in perspective. First of all, uh-huh. if you are a part, if you are part of the estate of, let's just use an example, Jim Morrison or Jimmy sure. Hendrix or Dennis John. Yeah, Jim Morrison. Let's just okay. Jim Morrison. And and somebody approaches you and says, Corey, we have figured out a way to create moving avatars on stage, and we're going to have Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, and Jim Morrison do concerts in which their avatars will be performing. And guess what? You get some of that money. How If I have an emotional connection, still, the answer is no. I, I, I couldn't see myself doing it if I'm close. I, I, I got to tell you. You have to think if that's someone Elvis, really close to you. Would you want Elvis Jeans came out in Vegas? I mean, frankly, that would be beneath Elvis if he were alive. But it generated money for the estate to the tune of about $150 million a year. And Lisa Marie had no problem because, frankly, entertainers are the pie-in-the-face people. And if you okay. can come up with a way... Okay. All right, here's the best example that I can give just for myself. And that's why I'm personalizing it. I admit that. My mother died in 2006. There is no way that I would want to see an avatar. As badly as I would want to interact with my mother again, there's no way that I would want to see a fake presence of my mother. There's no amount of money that there's no amount of money that you could give me that would have me interact with my fake mother. That's kind of how I look at now, it. Corey, now that 3D avatars are becoming much more realistic looking, I think you're going to have to wrap your head around the fact that we are going to be looking at previous, previously alive entertainers performing because this is going to be a form of entertainment that will generate money. And if it generates money, it. they will I'll sell it. it. I'll accept it. I'm saying me personally. That's all I'm saying. Me I'm personally, talking, I'm not, I wouldn't want to. I'm not talking about your mom. I'm talking no, about No, but you. I'm saying, right, because it's easy because we're not connected. But I'm saying for the people that are connected, it may be a problem. And we do have well, to just take that in consideration. Money or other. If, if I put you in charge of my estate, yes, and I somehow yes. died sooner than 150 years old, Okay. 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 I expect to live to 150. But if, right. I, if I died sooner than that, and you were in charge of my estate, and they somebody approached you and said, "Hey, we are able to to generate an avatar of Jack in the next Steven Spielberg film, and it's expected to gross probably a billion dollars." There's no way you're gonna. I'm an entertainer. I would be screaming from the grave. Do it. Okay. Do I'm gonna it. go to Karen. I'm gonna go to Karen. And whoever else is close to you, and I would meet with them, and I would get their blessing first. He's got a point there, Jack. It's not about money, dude. It's just not about money. You know what? Hold up. Good night, guys. I have an example. Tarantino, when he was going to commence production for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, he did go to Sharon Tate's still-living sister, and yes. extended family in order to get their blessing to commence the project because otherwise he probably would have re- written her or not written her into the film whatsoever. And he even took it a step further. 
because Margot Robbie actually wore some jewelry from um, Sharon Tate. See, so yes, he got permission. That's so, what I was. The fact that you mentioned that that adds a lot more realism than some computer-generated fantasy. Mm-hmm. But we've talked about this before on the show, where Margot Robbie tried to be as much like Sharon Tate as possible. But I, I was kind of, I was kind of trying to wave in um, producer Karen because I wanted to see what she thought. She hasn't been listening, and I wanted to see what she thought. But the fact is, if I if I died somehow early, let's say I died at 130 or 135, and somebody's in charge of my estate, and they they sit there and they go, okay, he was an entertainer. If they have figured out a way to, if they have figured out a way to work him into a film via an avatar, who would be against that? Um, if, let's say if some weird, some weird example, some weird example, if you put me in charge for some reason and not Karen, I would go to Karen. I would sit down with Karen and I would say, Karen, how do you feel about this? And if Karen said no, then the answer is no. I don't care if it's a billion dollars. So, so easy Karen, hang on one sec. Let me just bring her up to speed really quick. Corey's got an issue with the fact that they are able to develop avatars kind of like what we saw in America's Most Wanted. And with the, where they look realistic, you can see the tattoos, you can see scars. And they sit there and the woman hosting the show actually walk around the avatar pointing out the features you see Marco, he's got to bring in more Corey, people I, to help. right no i mean I, I look Corey. I, I agree with you on this hang one. on guys hang All on right. i ask you guys to just right. bear with me that means we're bearing with, with you we're bearing with you okay. no, it's okay i'm sure i'm gonna get here so so <laughs> so the issue is sidebar for the podcast i love it they're, they're able to bring in deceased actors as avatars and have them perform in films or on stage. And Corey said he thinks it's a moral dilemma. I'm saying they're entertainers. I said it may be a moral dilemma. Their estate, their estate I'm makes- sorry, what did you say, Corey? I said, Karen, it may be a moral dilemma. And Jack had said, if he made me a part of, uh, if he made me in charge of the estate, I said the first thing that I would do would be to go to you if you were still alive and ask if you were okay with it. If you weren't, I wouldn't do it. I don't care if it was a billion dollars. I said, I really think it's up to the families to make that decision. And, and like, I'm not a big fan of these avatars anyway, because it just seems like it's taking away the human's job. Yeah, but, but you know what? You guys, you guys are both <laughs> doing Rocky punching toward me. But the truth of the matter is, entertainers don't care in what capacity... We know. We know. We know. We care. We know. We're, we're not entertainers. But we're basic. We are basically entertainment whores. I mean, that's we will entertain in any way all the time. That's what we do. And and if I die and somebody says there's a way to, to put me into a film via an avatar and I'll still be able to generate money after my death. Yeah, do it. This is what I've done. This is what I've dedicated my life to. Of course you do it. Nobody well, had okay. But Jack, we Nobody know it, it but it's not going to be Nobody you. Had an issue. Be you. Nobody had an issue with Natalie Cole performing with Nat King Cole 20 okay, years well, after his death. When they but that doesn't him. matter. Nobody. What people had an issue with 20 years ago obviously changes. You know that. So that's a bad example. 
years ago when she did Unforgettable with her dad. But you I know. know they had them both on stage performing, and he is on a video, and she is live. But that no one had a problem with it because Natalie was his daughter, so if she was okay with it. Then everybody else is okay with it. She gave less. That's the point. All right, because so that's a bad example for you. The family made that decision. What I'm trying to explain is entertainers entertain. And you already explained that. Can, if they can do it after their death, of course they would do it. You explain that. You explain that. <laughs> All right. Well, producer Karen, producer Karen, the Queen of Queens, didn't really help my argument. I totally thought she'd be like, oh, screw it. Yeah, put him up there as an avatar. I don't care. Yeah. No. We'll make money having him do do no. virtual porn. I, I don't care. Really, like I said, really, you, you couldn't pay me. But if I died. You could not to have an avatar of my mother. I was saying if I died early, like at 135. So he doesn't get it, Paco. I know he doesn't get it. Because, uh, Jack, I'll put it this way. Your main man. Your main man. The chairman of the board. Can you honestly see him headlining in Vegas in 2021? He wouldn't last 30 seconds out there. Wait a second. If they came out with a way to to have Frank Sinatra perform virtually through an avatar, you don't think he would sell the room out at Caesars? What I meant, maybe initially, maybe maybe initially, but also here's the thing to keep in mind: I'm not disputing that it wouldn't make money. I only threw it out there. Is it moral? Everything that makes money doesn't necessarily mean it's morally right. You Can know, we agree on that? The Jurassic Park dilemma. Jurassic Park dilemma. But not illegal. I'm not saying I didn't mention no. illegal. I said moral. Nothing illegal. And I also just personalized it. I said I wouldn't do it. That's all. In the immortal words of Jeff Goldblum, you know, they were so concerned of whether or not they could do it, they never stopped to think about whether they should do it. There you go. That's that's a good spot. That's a good spot to end it. I think that's a good a good place to wrap it up. I can't believe Paco came up with a tagline, and he's all doing the Rocky thing with his arms. I gotta do what I gotta right. do. Yeah. What do we have next? Are we gonna well, take I think let's go to a commercial, and then I've got some truth is alien for you guys. All right, JV the pros back in two minutes. Is your small business, company, or corporation under a legal attack from a disgruntled former or current employee? It often happens where an employee decides to go for a money grab, hoping the business will just settle to make it go away. Well, this is wrong, and Paul Sorrentino of the firm Jackson Lewis knows this is wrong, and he consistently puts a stop to this method of extortion of businesses. Paul Sorrentino fights for you and protects you from sending out a message that you're an easy target. Paul Sorrentino is considered to be one of the five best attorneys in all of California. Many believe he might be the greatest labor attorney in the country. He represents individuals who may be getting taken advantage of by unscrupulous employers, as well as representing small businesses that might be wrongfully under fire. Paul Sorrentino of Jackson Lewis is the premier attorney when it comes to labor law. He represents several corporations that depend on his expertise in class action suits in which the corporation is being targeted. 
There have been times when opposing counsel has walked into court, realized they have to face Paul Sorrentino, and immediately moved to dismiss instead of letting the judge see that they're going to get shredded by Paul Sorrentino. Having Paul Sorrentino as your attorney is like having a legal superhero on your side. For any of your legal labor issues, call Paul Sorrentino of Jackson Lewis at 619-573-4900 and rest easy knowing Paul Sorrentino will take the best care of you. Call Jackson Lewis at 619-573-4900 and ask for the legal superhero Paul Sorrentino. Tell him JV to the pros recommended you make that call. We're back with JV and the Pros, Season 3, Episode 13. I know that my man Corey, the Iron Man Ramsey, has something special. But truth is alien this week. Corey, talk to me. Well, it's been a couple of weeks since we've had truth is alien. And I know folks have been upset because they expect it. They're ready for it. And I have my hat. <laughs> Got a dust right on. <laughs> Tinfoil okay, hat. Is now I am ready for the truth is alien. So, you know, there are certain numbers out there that kind of like freak us out, right? Or get us thinking. Like the number seven, the number 13, like 13 is supposed to be un unlucky, unlucky. Like I tell you, like when I write short stories and put them in a collection, I never do 13. It's always 14. I just don't do 13 for whatever reason. Kind of kind of like how uh, hotels in Vegas don't have a 13th floor? Yeah. Most hotels don't have a 13th floor. So, you, know, you want to know what freaks me out? I saw the omen when I was a kid with the 666 on his head. Yeah. And I will not stop the volume at 16, 26, or 6. I will not. I will not deal with the number six. Well, there's another number that seems to capture the attention of people, and that is the number two seven, the number twenty seven, and that's that whole championships. What's that? I said, as in Yankees championships. No, as in the twenty seven club, as in the seventy five famous. People or entertainers who have died by the age of 27. There's 75 and, entertainers that died at the age of, like Amy Winehouse. Let me see how good I am. Amy Winehouse is one of them, right? 27? Yes. Am I right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Janis Joplin. Yes. Yes. Jimi Hendrix. Uh huh. Jim Morrison. I'm, I'm, I'm getting thin now. <laughs> right. I think I, I'm done. Those are the most famous people. Those are some of the most famous people. But I mean, you know, you've got Brian Jones from uh, from the Rolling Stones. Twenty-seven years old. A lot of people. You also have uh, the guy, the young man uh, who starred as uh, Chekhov in the new Star Trek. I mean, he perished in weird circumstances. Is that is that the Jeep? where the Jeep was rolling and it crushed him against his own house. Yes. I actually have some insider knowledge on that. You have insider knowledge? So you know insider knowledge? 
I met a I met this friend a uh, mutual friend who did a documentary about the life of Anton Yelchin, the actor that Corey is quoting, and he was able to get the police reports, and it was a defect with that particular Jeep model, and I guess the way it to add to add insult to injury, yes, he was killed, obviously because his lungs were crushed, but. It was a matter of time because he actually suffered from cystic fibrosis. You guys are familiar with that uh, disease? Yes. So is that where is that where you put in gear and it and it rolls into you and into a wall? <laughs> uh, no, but uh, <laughs> but what is your point? Get to it, please. The point is, people that suffer from CS or CF, I should say, they don't have very long lifespans. So it was only a matter of time. It, but unfortunately, it had to be under the strangest of circumstances, or most tragic, I should say. Oh, Jack, there's yeah, some that, does, that doesn't that doesn't parallel the fact that this guy died in a completely freak accident yeah, with a jeep yeah. rolling into him and crushing him into all. That doesn't mean he would have died before thirty or thirty-five. I mean, you know, the guy was the guy was, you know, it was a completely freak accident. And it turned out that that Jeep was in the wrong. The manufacturer was in the wrong. This was a common problem, and they knew it. Well, I, I mean, the CF. I mean, this is the thing with a lot of people. It is like weird circumstances. So you have a lot of suicides, right? So you, uh, you've got suicides. You have plane crashes. You've got people being murdered, like Mia Cepeda, uh, lead singer of the Gits. You know, you have Kurt Cobain killing himself. I mean, you have Allegedly. Pete Ham. Kurt Cobain in the 27? Was he 27? Yeah, he's in the 27 Club. Pete Ham from uh, the lead singer and guitarist of Badfinger killing himself. I mean, it's 75. The list is incredible. It's 75 individuals who have died and 20... Uh, and famous performers. Yes, famous performers. And I'm just, and I'm looking at the list and it's like, it's incredible, all the different things. And so the question that I'm throwing at to you guys, do we think there's really something to this or is it just a media creation? I think it's a media creation. Do you want to say why? I rarely agree with Paco, but I think that they have found a way to connect those dots to make it, to make it look like, oh, there's some sort of you know, uh, spiritual or or out, outrageous conspiracy going on in which these people are dying at 27 years old. But um, I think it's it's an immense coincidence. Also, I think it's just another way, like we were talking about in the previous segment, it's just another way to sell copy or like sell tickets in the uh, actor in the digital actor's case. But in this instance here, I mean, I can see the parallel with the with the uh, supposed curse that surrounded the the Poltergeist movie series because of all the freak accidents that happened with those actors, especially with the uh, tragic death of uh, of the of the little girl from the first movie, and also the the actress Dominic Dune. It's just that these are just accidents that happened, and it just happened to be with those things. And there's no correlation. Nobody, you know, summoned an evil curse or something like that. It's just that there's celebrities. And they live in Hollywood. In Hollywood, they call it the Dream Factory. Unfortunately, the dreams turned into nightmares. In these persons' cases, that's what the, what it was. And also, they're commodities at the end of the day. So even when they're Why dead... Why 27? Why 27? Why not 31? Why not 32, Jack? 
maybe it's like you know how they always say never trust anybody over 30 you can you can make a list of people that died at 27 you can make a list of people that died at 30 you can make a list of people that died at 40 and then you could create uh, some sort of timeline that says oh my god they all died at 35 how strange 27 we all agree is much too young your life is just getting started and these people that died i mean janice joplin clearly out of her mind on drugs jimmy hendrix again jim morrison again how old was uh mama Cass? 32 okay she was in her 30s okay but i mean you you could make a parallel to any age um earlier you know pre-40 and say oh yeah here's a list of people that died at this age um i think the problem is in the 60s when these people were were dying um as 1970 rolled around i think people started to notice here's a clump of them all at 27 years old and other actors and other performers other singers are sitting there saying you know what you can f yourself up pretty bad on drugs but there is no guarantee you're going to live through this so you got to have to pump the brakes and a lot of people claim that um the death of jim morrison the death of jimmy Andrew, janice joplin made them pull back and slow down on their drug use because they realized you don't know until it's too late and so people started to calm down with their drug use and then of course the 70s came around and it was it was a cocaine factory <laughs> yeah i mean uh um Hendrix and Joplin died uh, t- within 12 days of each other. You see, that by itself, two musical icons who die at the same age within a week and a half of each other would draw a lot of attention. People would start drawing parallels to the fact that they were both born in the same year, both died at the same time at 27, and then all of a sudden you got your conspiracy theory somehow. But I, I, I just think I well, just, but here's the thing. But here's the thing, though, is that you've had so many after those two. I mean, there was a rash of uh, deaths by entertainers in the nineties. Talk to me. Okay, so the country uh, Chris Austin, the country singer and guitarist for Reby McIntyre, plane crash. So we have Mia Sabina. Oh, that's a plane crash. That's okay. a plane crash. Okay. He could have been hit by a bus. Okay. At gotcha. And- gotcha. So I'm going to keep going if you allow me. Mia Cepeda, uh, leader of the uh, Gints, raped and murdered. Co- uh, Kurt Cobain, suicide. Christine. Uh, Knaff, hold on one the- second. Talk about it some other time. The Kurt Cobain thing. I have a whole other theory on that. <laughs> okay. But still dead. Okay. Still dead. Still dead. Yeah, dead either way. Uh, dead either way. Uh, Christian Pfaff, the uh, bass guitarist for Hole, drug overdose. Richie Edwards, the uh, guitarist for the Manic Street Preachers, uh, likely suicide. Seven of, seven of the nine people you just mentioned, I wouldn't have known at all. Seriously. Well, well see, living in, see, living in Portland and the Northwest, those people, we knew a lot about them. We knew a lot about them. That kind of alternative oh, yeah. music and grunge that was really big at the time. Yeah, but I mean, uh, let's face it, most of America wouldn't know. I mean, if that came up as a 
a Jeopardy question, no, they'd get it wrong. Okay, but that doesn't, so what? I don't watch Jeopardy. So, I mean, I couldn't even tell you who the host heard. Is. So, I mean, I heard. I mean, the thing is, is that there's still so many people as recently as 2018, we have Fredo Santana. He's a, a, a rapper, 27. Um, heart died of a heart attack. Yeah. What, what group? What group was he? I mean, I don't even know who that guy is. He just was a rapper. He didn't wasn't part of a group. Okay. I mean, I'm drawing a blank on who it is. And usually, I have a good a good memory for these people. I I don't know who that is at all. Never heard the name before. I mean, it's all of these entertainers. Now, some of these people, yes, they're not famous like Hendrix. But it's just, it's fascinating for all the different illnesses. You know, I mean, heart failure, murdered, road accident, road accident, cancer, kidney failure, traffic collision, murder. It's just, it's 75. That's a lot. When you go back, 75 entertainers, no matter how big they are, if you're going back from the year 1920, that's a lot. Well, if you think about it, that's like one every three years. Yeah. Or one every two years. Sorry. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I, I don't think I give it as much credence as people who enjoy the fact that there's a parallel with people at 27 years old dying. But um, I, I don't know, Corey. I don't, I don't, I'm not feeling, I'm feeling like, yeah, it's a coincidence, but I don't feel like it's the kind of coincidence that has some over, you know, overlying truth about it or, or something I, like where you sit there and I, go, Paco, how old did you turn this weekend? 28. So he just made it. Boy, he just cleared it, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Try to use my bathroom when the, when the water's turned off again. You won't make it to 29. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, what I like to do with the truth is alien is point out, point out a lot of weird things and weird coincidences. And so even though this might not be supernatural, I think it's one of those things in this world that I think is strange that we have this many entertainers that are dying for whatever reason, whatever reason at that particular age. Right. I, you know, it's it is strange because it's it's a tragedy, but you know most of these people died from overindulgence. They died because they 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 didn't have any regulator. You know, like Hendrix, you know, got high. Janis Joplin. I mean, I I actually have um, uh, audio footage of a very stoned Janis Joplin. Um, doing the song, Oh Lord, Won't You Buy Me a Mercedes-Benz? But she's mm. in the studio. She's mm. clearly wrecked. And um, and I was glad to get, you know, a copy of that, but oh my God. I would love to see that. I would love to see that. I'll send it to you. Yeah, I, it I, to you yeah I would she, love to see that. She was, she, was, she, was, she was out of her mind in that studio. Yeah. And, but I'll tell you what, she's a professional. She was a professional. She did the song, but you can tell she was stoned out of her gourd. I'll send it now, to you. Now, here's what I will say. 
that there are definitely some trends that you have a lot of the rappers murdered. You have a lot of the grunge type people, drug overdose, suicide. You know, so it's interesting. You start looking at uh, this, drug overdose, drug overdose, drug overdose, murdered, drug overdose, murdered. A lot of grunge bands came out of Seattle. And Seattle, due to lack of sunshine, is the number one spot in the country for suicides. It's, it's yes. not just entertainers. A lot of people commit suicide up there because they're deprived of sunshine. So Seattle is, is the number one spot in the country where people commit suicide. So if you got grunge bands from the Seattle area and then you got high suicide rate, yeah, you're going you're gonna to have a train wreck eventually. Which is why, spinning it back to the previous topic, there is... Um, a tape out there, or rather it's being produced, we're almost ready for it, it's called Drown in the Sun, and it's the lost tapes of the 27 Club, and it's a collection of songs done by the computers that, like I said, that draw attention to musicians' struggles with depression and mental health illness, and as well as uh, support uh, to offer to people like that. See, something like that, do some good if you're going to create something. That I would actually buy and support because if you think about how is that how is that different than the avatar idea? Because you're actually trying to save lives and you're actually trying to do something. So that has meaning, that has purpose, rather than hey, listen, let's just make a billion dollars off of Jack. You know the difference. You you absolutely know the difference. I know the difference. But the truth of the matter is, this is a business. And if there's a way to generate money, that's what this business is meant to do. We agree on that. that. That if they entertain in any way and it sells, they will make money. And they're not sitting there. Right. I mean, mean, there's, I mean, there's, this is going to be an extreme example, but there's kiddie porn out there that makes money. That, That doesn't make it right. No, actually, there are laws against that. There no, I understand, but it makes money. Yeah. It makes money. Right. It makes, my, my it makes money. So it doesn't make it right. Because something makes money, it doesn't make it morally right. That's all. If somebody approaches my my estate and says that they want to make money on my name, yeah, of course. That's what I that's what I spent my life for. Okay. Of course. All right. Yeah. So you might be and, in charge because Karen Karen doesn't plan to live to 135. Well, I, I don't think Karen would want to make money off of it, so you, you'd be out of luck there. Um, but anyway, um, so we have 75, and I thought I'd throw it out there to see that, uh, if there's anything for the 27 Club. And uh, Jack's not feeling it. He doesn't think that there's any alien involvement. Any weirdness, any supernatural stuff out there? I have to be honest, I tend to agree with him, but that's okay. The, the point is, is that when it comes to these kinds of things and the truth is alien, you have to decide for yourself. We just so it's checking into barnone1.com and seeing all that they offer. Barnone. 
TheNumberOne.com. They have certified and qualified professional bartenders and servers that make party guests feel like they're living the high life. Bar None can be contacted at 619-952-9414, and that will be the first step to getting your event on track. Bar None will help you prepare the kind of event that is greater than you imagined. They've done this for years and they know what they're doing. So they can answer your questions and guide you to a successful and memorable event. Call Bar None at 619-952-9414 and let them handle these details so that your guests have a great time with a professional server who knows how to take care of their guests. Now, they know how to make your guests feel like they're going to have a great time in part because the work that Bar None does for an event is unparalleled. Call Bar None at 619-952-9414 and get the process started for your next event with Bar None. Tell them JV to the Pros sent you. And we are back with JV to the Pros, Season 3, Episode 13. Corey, nice job on The Truth is Alien. You couldn't sway me into believing in the conspiracy theory or... Something from out of space influencing the 27 Club. But I will go to bed tonight thinking about it. Um, well, let's I'll move on to else, uh, Jack. Jack, I'll give you something else. We took a break for two minutes and 27 seconds. Ooh. Just so you know. Ooh. <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> Just so you know. Just saying. Just saying. Just saying. All right. Now, I know you're a bigger basketball fan than I am by far. So do you have any props you want to give out? Yeah, I want to give um, props to the uh, Baylor men's team. I watched that. That was a thorough beatdown of Gonzaga. And I lived in the Pacific Northwest, and I know, I know a lot of people who went to Gonzaga that, are, that were voting for uh, the Zags. Sorry, I'm not a Gonzaga fan. Uh, they're obnoxious. And just kidding, a uh, Gonzaga fan. I don't want any emails from Gonzaga, but props uh, to Baylor for putting a thorough beatdown on uh, on Gonzaga. So they're the champs, uh, well deserved. But um, well, you, you know, um, Baylor is only the third team in NCAA history to beat an undefeated team. Yes, in the final. And yes. I mean, that's quite an accomplishment. And did you know, because I don't know that much about basketball, but I did find this out. I didn't realize that Baylor's team were a bunch of walk-ons. <laughs> they were yeah. a bunch of walk-ons. The coach made a joke about the fact that everybody on that team walked on. Well, the school had a lot of problems uh, when the coach took it over. Um, I'm not going to get into it, but they had all kinds of problems. And he spent years turning the program around. Here's what I will say about Baylor. They've been great all year, and I think they would have won it last year if there wasn't for COVID. This team, this team is pretty special. So, um, you know what? This is a good group of guys, and I think we're probably going to see some of them in, in the NBA. Yes. I do think some of these guys yes. are going to go on to careers. And I do think some of the, some of the Zags will be in the NBA as well. I think, oh, yeah, Jalen Suggs will be a lottery pick. Drew Timmy, I think, will get drafted. Yeah, they were they were down by 22 and bridged the gap by halftime, but Baylor just stepped on the gas and took off. Yeah. 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 All right. So, yeah. Um, one other thing. Uh, we actually heard from 
uh, from two women about uh, Deshaun Watson. And uh, they had quite a lot to say. And again, it's it's just not it's just not looking good. I mean, more and more, it seems like every two or three days, there's a new woman that steps. Forward. I mean, I, I I mean, I actually really I don't know what to say. I think it's interesting that each of these women have have unrefutable evidence of at least spending alone time with Deshaun Watson and then immediately regretting it. And um, that's very interesting. Well, that shows a pattern. I mean, how many massage therapists do you need? I mean, I have a massage appointment uh, Friday and I've gone to the same massage therapist. I believe now it's been nine years. The same person. The same person. Really? Yeah. Boring? Yeah. What happened what happened to variety? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, um, sometime, sometime we can have her on the show. She she is terrific. She has kept me functioning. Especially in my latter days in the military, she kept me functioning. So we'll have her on. Keep you functioning. She's able to keep you functioning. There's some magic in those hands. Yes. Just don't let her, just don't yes. let her work on Deshaun Watson. Oh, God, no. No. Uh, but, you know, we'll keep uh, we'll, we'll keep eyes on this and we'll see what happens. I mean, uh, I just hope that there's justice. Whatever happened, I just hope that there's justice. Justice for the ladies and the crew and the Justice for Watson. I think, if not. In on him. I think they're zeroing in on him. Um, it's they've they've got more and more and more evidence almost daily. I mean, it's just he's got legal problems, enormous legal problems. Yeah, yeah. So, all right, let's talk. Let's talk about um, you're, you're the list guy. You're the man with the list. You want to tell? I love list. So. I know you. Here's the thing I'm throwing out. Give me five, but I'll tell you what, you can go honorable mentions too. Give me five of your favorite albums, like albums that you would have if you're stranded and you have an iPod and that's all you can listen to. Albums. And it can't be best of. No best of. I know. No greatest hits. I no greatest hits, nothing because, like that's too easy. Because I looked at it like if I was stranded on a, de a deserted island and I could put these in my iPod, would I listen to these forever? And I thought that's, I've got my list. Paco, did you make a list or no? I'm checking it twice. Checking it twice. You got a list? Let me hear your album list. Okay. Um, starting off with number one uh, would be Pet Sounds by the Beach Boys. Beach Boys. <laughs> Okay. All right. Uh, number two, uh, Rubber Soul by the Beatles. by the Beatles. Oh, that's a good, yeah. Good. Mm -hmm. good. Um, the Black Album by Metallica. Metallica. So far, so good. I'm waiting for the I'm waiting for the train to go off the tracks. <laughs> no, he's doing good. Okay. He's doing good. Michael he's Jackson good. Thriller. Thriller. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Number yeah. five. What's five. number five? You can listen to Thriller on a deserted island. 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And if you only have four, that's okay. And like I said, honorable mentions, uh, if you have any like that. Yeah, that's really but that's a good list. Yeah. You know, I get the feeling yeah. I get the feeling like the Ghostbusters soundtrack is coming up and you're gonna screw it all up. You did a good job with those four. Yeah. All right. All right. I, I'm gonna go because Corey, it's Corey's list. So I'll go and then we'll let we'll let the man go last. Um I got CCR and the album was called CCR 1968. Awesome. Awesome. Yes. Freaking I awesome. Got, oddly enough, I had CCR and the album was called CCR. My other yeah. one is Boston, and the album is called Boston. <laughs> and that's uh that's 72, right? Is that 72 or 71? 72 ish, yeah. 72, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I got I got Alanis Morissette, Jagged Little Pill. 97? 97? 97-ish, yeah. She okay. came up with okay. at the same time. But Jagged Little Pill, almost every song on that album was a hit. And uh, You Ought to Know was a massive... I hate that song. I hate that song with a passion. Why? I just, Why? I think her voice is whining. She's just complaining. I, I just, I'm sorry, I'm not the biggest... Give me Cheryl Crow any day. She's yeah. yeah, she's oh I love Cheryl Crow. Yeah. Um I got Billy Joel the Stranger. All right, now we're talking. All right. Yeah. Yes. And I think yeah. I think one of the best albums ever made, Carol King Tapestry. Got it. 1972. 72. 72. Yeah. Yes. Tapestry. Every song on that, uh, I think every song is like a hit on that uh Every song was a hit. Every song, I think every song in that was a top 10 hit. Yeah, yeah, she knocked it out yeah. of the park on that one. Yeah, they just kept releasing them, you know, so far away, and I feel the earth move under my feet. Oh, every yeah. song Tapestry oh, yeah. was a hit. And then you and I are in the same, you and I are in the same generation. I mean, how many times will we turn on the TV and hear the commercial about anticipation? Was that uh, the ketchup oh. commercial? Yeah. Like yeah. Yeah. Heinz ketchup yeah. waiting for it to come out slow. Yes. Anticipation. I mean, yeah. my goodness. Carol King. Who was that that sang that? That was Carol King? Yeah, that's Carol King. Yeah, that's Carol King. You know who I thought it was? I thought it was the one who sang You're So Vain. Oh, um, oh. Uh, Carly yeah. Simon. Carly Simon. I thought it was Carly Simon singing Anticipation. Is that who it is, Paco? Who sings Anticipation? I'm positive. Oh, shoot. Carly Simon, Anticipation. Whoa! Good job, Jack. Look at me. (laughs) Good job, Jack. I didn't go to Rutgers. I didn't go to Rutgers. No, you didn't. I'm glad we didn't bet. My goodness. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to lost that bet. I'm going to lost that bet. Well, then. My apologies, my apologies to uh, Carol King and Carly Simon. I was wrong. Oh, Carol, Carol King would have loved to have had that hit song. <laughs> yeah, I think she's doing okay, though. Yeah, Tapest- to the Tapestry album. <laughs> so um, for me, uh, I've got um, Siamese Dream, 1993, the uh, Smashing Pumpkins. 
I've got Purple Rain, 1984, Prince. Oh, Never, yeah. Never yeah. Mind, 1991, Nirvana. Are You Experienced, 1967, Jimi Hendrix. Around the Fur, 1997, Deftones. And then honorable mention, I had to just, because there's just so many, but honorable mention to The Doors, 1967, The Doors, uh, Tapestry, Carol King, 1972, uh, Doggy Style, 1993, Snoop Dogg, got to throw in a little bit of rap there. London, London Calling, 1980, The Clash. Clash. Yeah, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, 1973, Elton John, and- uh, See, I'm not a big fan uh, of Elton John's early stuff. Yeah. I think he came into his own yeah. around 1980. And then a little bit of Bubblegum, True Confessions, 1986 by uh, Bananarama, and Like a Virgin, 1984, Madonna. That's it. You know what, that, Madonna's, that Madonna album was on my, on my radar. And then I looked at I looked at all the songs on there, and I thought, you know what? It only had like four hit songs on there, and it had about fourteen songs. And I thought, nah, I gotta pull it. I did I did do my homework, and I I like Madonna's early stuff a lot. You know, I gotta tell you, for me, when it comes to like an album, if I say I like an album, I have to like at least I have to really like at least three songs on it. At least. Yeah, at, at, at least. So when I was going through my my iPod list, you know, like Siamese Dream, I, I like all but one song on there. Nirvana, Nevermind, all of them are kind of a hit for me. So those were really easy. Purple Rain, easy. I like them all. Purple Rain, I can't believe I missed I missed Purple Rain. I think I think I got caught up in the seventies, and I thought, you know what? I really love the music out of the 70s. I like all of it. I mean, really. I think 74 is the only time I didn't like the music in the 70s. Uh, 70 through 73, 75 through 79, no problem. Yeah. 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 yeah I'm seeing it's funny. I, I'm like you. I'm probably, probably, no, actually, you know what? I'm all over the place because I, I like Carol King's early stuff. I like Chicago's early stuff. See, the later Chicago gets, the the less I like them. The less I like. Uh, Elton, same thing with Elton John for me. I didn't used to like Chicago as much as I do now. For some reason, I listen to their stuff, and I just sit there and I go, you know what? It's pretty good stuff. I mean, it's amazing. You know, yeah, their stuff is amazing. down the street one day. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, but you know, but, but you know what, Jack? They're kind of their albums are kind of scattered. So that's why I couldn't pick one because they're kind of just all over the place. All over the place. Well, massive, massive success. I mean, yeah. I mean, they yeah. they are truly an icon of a band. So, all right, Paco. Yeah. Are we ready to tuck you in? Yeah. He goes, yeah, right away. All of a sudden, he woke up. We're talking to me. <laughs> I'll send Mr. Rutgers over there. <laughs> okay. That is Season 3, Episode 13 of JV to the Pros. I'm Jack Vecchio with my partner, Corey the Iron Man Ramsey. 
You can reach out to us on Facebook, JV to the Pros, all spelled out, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spotify, Instagram, um, JV to the Pros, all spelled out at Gmail. And am I missing anything, Corey? <laughs> no, you are, you are not. And for those that are wondering, the reason why you have not heard Robin with a wise voice, she's actually uh, still on the East Coast helping out her uh, father, getting her father situated and organized, but she will return soon enough. Well, you know, you know that she's in, was she in Alabama? Yes. Yes. They just pretty much haven't told the population there. It's not the East coast. I'm just saying <laughs> <laughs> it's like the middle of the country. But if you see, if you see water, just tell them it's the Atlantic. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not making fun of people in the South or their SATs or their IQ. Well, maybe I am. Anyway, um, that is <laughs> season three, episode 13. We should have, when are we having Robin with a Y back? Well, I know she returns on the 14th. So I know she'll be exhausted. She was up until 4.30 uh, last night. So, so she'll, miss, she'll miss next week's show. So we'll, we'll have her back on in a couple of weeks. Okay. Yes. Paco, the last man standing. Yeah. Nice job. You seem to overcome most yeah. of the technical difficulties and the Wi-Fi and the bandwidth and all the sound. I don't know. Man, I don't want your job. Um, Corey, you and I made fun of him while he was trying to work out everything. <laughs> what the sound did go through was you and I making jokes. <laughs> poor, Paco. poor Paco was trying to get the show on the air. <laughs> anyway, we will all be in the same studio at the same time very soon, which will yeah. be wonderful. Yeah. So that is season three, episode 13 of JV The Pros. We appreciate that you're listening and we'll see you again next week. Say good night, everybody. Night, guys. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Get him out of here. Get out. Yeah.